chapter 14. We're going to be looking at verses 15 to 31 this morning. Uh, Just a great, comforting passage of Scripture. I'm excited for all of us to be able to be in the Gospel of John and to be able to walk with Jesus up through Holy Week, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday. These are such rich passages of Scripture, and I trust that God wants to meet and comfort each of us. So this morning, I want to invite all of you to follow along as Emily reads our passage again. This is John 14, starting in verse 15. Yeah, I think I got it. So John 14, verses 15 through 31. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Emily. Well, Matthew, I'm going to try this out, and if it just gets too windy, I'll switch to the handheld there. Well, I I love listening to podcasts, and by my own admission, I listen to far too many of them. That's a good news, bad news situation. Uh, Good news is, if you ever need a recommendation, I'm your man. The bad news is, is I waste a lot of time listening to podcasts. One of the podcasts that I enjoyed listening to this past year uh, was a podcast that highlighted the rise of, of coaches in our society. For almost any area of your life or for almost any skill that you are looking to get better at, you can find a coach. 
Do you just need help with life? Well, guess what? There's a life coach ready to be hired by you. You need help finding a date? There are no lack of dating coaches out there ready to help you. Need help getting into college? Search for a college admissions coach. You want to live healthier? You can hire a wellness coach. And this is, this is just scratching the surface of the list of coaches available that are out there. Really, if there's any area of your life or any problem you're facing, you can hire a coach to help you. And, and as I was listening to this podcast, what I found so helpful about the, the rise of, of coaches in our society, this is a multi-billion dollar industry every year here in the United States. What I found so fascinating is the explicit acknowledgement that every single person makes when they hire a coach. And that explicit acknowledgement that they make is something we don't say very often, and that is that we need help. You see, you don't hire a coach if you have it all figured out. You do it because you are very aware of your need for help. So you go out there, you look for the best person who can teach you how to do what you are wanting to get better at. This is, this is just a very simple truth. We, we all need help. We all face situations and experience troubles that make it very clear to us that we need help. And so this morning, I want to ask you, what are those for you? What are those situations or experiences that you are walking through right now that have made it very clear to you that you need help? If you were to, to pull up on your phone and search for a coach, what kind of, of coach would you look for? Is it perhaps help for a struggling relationship? Maybe it's, maybe it's help battling an addiction. Perhaps for you, you're walking through an experience of deep sorrow and loss right now. You are in the midst of a dark night of the soul as you are battling depression, doubt, and despair. Where are you in need of help this morning? Well, whatever situation or struggle that you are facing right now, I have good news for you. Well, actually, Jesus has very good news for you because in the passage before us this morning, Jesus is offering you the right here, right now help of the Holy Spirit that you need every single day. I want to say that again for all of you note takers out there. In this passage here, Jesus is holding out to all of us the right here, right now help of the Holy Spirit, which we need every single day. In this passage, in, in these verses here, Jesus highlights three specific ways, three, three facets of the Spirit's help. And what I want to do this morning is look at each one of those that we might be better positioned to receive the help that we so desperately need and that God is so graciously and freely offering to us in these passages. So the first way the Spirit helps us this morning, the first help that Jesus provides is the Spirit who gives us power to obey. The Spirit helps us by giving us power to obey. Follow along with me in verse 15. Starting in verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. Three times in this passage here in verse 15 and also in verses 21 and 23, Jesus calls his disciples to keep his commandments. Now here, this isn't a, a, a means to earn his love. Jesus isn't calling us to, to keep his commandments as a means of, of earning his love as if our obedience somehow makes us more lovable. No, Jesus is calling us to keep his commandments as a, as a sign, as a mark of our love for him. And I can only imagine that as Jesus is speaking these words, calling his disciples, calling every single one of us this morning to keep his commandments, that he is very aware of the fact that we are going to need help to do this. He, Jesus instantly knows that left to ourselves, we will struggle to obey and so Jesus instantly follows this command to obey his commandments, to keep his commandments with the promise of a helper. See that there in verse 16? And I will give you another helper. Now this word here translated helper in the ESV, it might be translated as, as advocate or comforter or counselor in your Bible. And these are, are all good translations and each of them are in their own way capturing something that Jesus wants us to see and to receive in this passage this morning. The Greek word here that Jesus uses is the word called paraclete. And it literally means to, to call alongside the idea here that Jesus has is the idea is of someone coming alongside of you to help you. When we read the word helper or comforter, whatever your Bible might say, the picture that should pop in our minds is the, is the picture of an, of an expert teacher who is coming alongside a student who is struggling with something. And this expert teacher comes alongside this struggling student and he helps them to succeed. He helps them to flourish and to thrive. I think of, of how in this way Donna is a, is a paraclete. She is a, a helper to Mackenzie, Kaylee, and Aubrey as she sits beside them and as she helps them in their school, as she is patiently and lovingly going over math problems or, or whatever it might be, helping them to succeed where they're struggling. I think in this COVID era, many of you parents can relate with this experience of, of coming alongside your parent of your, your kiddos and helping them to succeed in the areas of school where they're struggling. And that's the idea that Jesus wants us to have here. He is giving us, he is promising us that we will have a helper, someone who will come alongside of us, who will sit next to us and to help us. You see, Jesus wants his disciples to know that when he is gone, or Jesus knows that when he's gone, his disciples here, they're going to struggle in many different ways. And as they struggle, as they experience struggling in this life, he wants them to know that they are not alone, but that someone is at their side helping them. The Holy Spirit is at their side helping them. And the same is true for you and me. Doesn't this just encourage your hearts this morning? Here in verses 15 and 16, we see very clearly that Jesus is for us. 
Jesus wants the best for us. He desires that things will go well with us, that we will succeed, that we will thrive and flourish in this life. And so he has given us a helper to help us obey because he knows that thriving in this life, flourishing in this life only comes from obeying his word. See, contrary to the messages that we're told all day on, on social media or on stre streaming services, ultimate joy, happiness, and pleasure, they don't come from following your hearts. You doing you might lead to temporary moments of happiness, but these are fleeting. And social science has shown pretty overwhelmingly that this ultimately leads to anxiety, to depression, and to addictions, but here in the midst of this uh, world where we are longing for, for peace, where we are longing for happiness, Jesus wants better for us, and out of his love for us, he calls us to keep his commandments that we might thrive. So I just want to ask you this morning, where are you in need of the right here, right now help of the Holy Spirit to walk in obedience? What is the, the pattern of sin that you are constantly struggling with that keeps you from responding in faith and obedience to Christ? Perhaps, it's a, perhaps you are in need of help this morning with your struggles with lust. Or maybe as you seek to fight against the self-sins, the sins of, of self-righteousness, of self-sufficiency, of self-centeredness. Kids, I was thinking about you this week. Are you aware? Do you ever know? Are you, are you aware that you need God's help to obey mommy and daddy? Are you aware of how hard it is to be kind and patient with your brothers and sisters? Are you aware of your help to the help you need from God to help you overlook and the fence, I, I bring these up because these are, are regular things in the Morgan household that we are struggling with and working through. And the good news, kids, the good news for each and every one of us this morning is that in the midst of whatever we are struggling with, in the midst of whatever challenges we have, wherever it is hard for us to keep Jesus' commandments right now, to want to obey, God has promised and he has given us a helper to help us walk in obedience. This is good need. Wherever you are struggling right now, Jesus wants you to know this morning that you have the right here, right now help of the Holy Spirit, someone who is sitting beside you right now desiring to see you succeed where you are struggling. So this morning, ask for his help. Cry out to him, call out to him, and ask him to help you in very specific ways, knowing that he desires for you to experience victory over your sins and temptations. This, this is the first way the Spirit helps us. He gives us power to obey. And secondly, in our passage, we see that the Spirit helps us by being God's presence to comfort us. The Spirit helps us by being God's presence to comfort us. Read with me, starting in verse 18. Jesus speaking to his disciples, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. 
I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. If you'll remember, as Jesus is, is speaking these words, he's in the upper room with his disciples, his, his closest friends on earth, and he has just told them that he's going to be leaving them. He is going away. And hearing this, the disciples have just become overwhelmed with grief and sorrow. They are very aware of the fact that Jesus is going to be leaving them. And in this moment, no doubt, Jesus knows that they are going to be fighting against feelings of feeling abandoned, of feeling left alone. And into their grieving hearts, Jesus speaks words of great comfort to his disciples as he tells them there in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Knowing all that they are going to face in the coming days, the last thing that Jesus wants for his disciples is to feel like orphans, to feel like they have been abandoned and deprived of his love and his care for them. And so he tells them, I will come to you. Now this coming here, it could refer to his post-resurrection appearances to his disciples. That is certainly very possible. But it seems to me, given the context of this passage, that the coming Jesus has in mind here is his coming to his disciples in the person of the Holy Spirit. And certainly both can be true. Jesus can have both of these comings in mind. But I think as we read verse 23, look there with me, Jesus says to his disciples in verse 23, he says that if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And then catch this. He says, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Here, I think, as the disciples are struggling with feelings of abandonment, feelings like they are going to be, let God has left them alone, that Jesus has left them alone. He does not want them to feel alone, and so he reminds them, he promises that he will come to him, and amazingly says that he will make his home with them. You see, Jesus in these, in these moments here, as Jesus is going away from them, he does not want his disciples to feel deserted. No, no, he wants them to know that he is with them, to care for them, to walk with them, to sit beside them through all that they will experience in life. Because here, as we see in verse 23, he will dwell inside of them. And not just him, not just Jesus, but as we see here in verse 23, through the Spirit, the Father and the Son will dwell with his disciples. This is, this is truly one of the most amazing verses in your Bibles. If you are here and you are trusting in Christ right now, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are dwelling in your heart right now. God is with you. As he says in verse 17, he will dwell with you and he will be in you. The Holy Spirit, the triune God is with you right now. 
Well, church, let this comfort your hearts. You are not alone, but through the Holy Spirit, God is present with you right now. So I just want to ask, where do you need to be reminded of the Spirit's presence to comfort you right now? What are the situations that you are facing in life that have you feeling like an orphan right now? What are the moments, what are the experiences that you are walking through that have you wondering, that have you questioning, has God abandoned me? Where is he? Certainly doesn't seem like God is with me right now. What are those situations for you? Perhaps it's a season of sickness or suffering. Perhaps you are just feeling lonely or perhaps you're feeling hopeless as you look at your life circumstances and you're just convinced that things are never going to change. Or maybe it is just the extremely painful experience of unanswered prayer. The reality is, as we live life in this fallen world, we are all going to experience situations in life where our natural response will be to question God's nearness to us. It will be to question God's presence with us. And in these moments, God has given us the helper, the one who is sitting next to us, the comforter to assure us of his presence, of his nearness with us. I think in this way, the, the, the Spirit's presence can function for us like the, like the message on the side mirrors of your car. You're probably all familiar with the, with the message that's listed on each one of the side mirrors of your car as you're driving. What, what does it say? That, that's right. Yeah, objects in mirror are closer than they appear. That's right. And, and that is exactly what the Holy Spirit wants to do for us and what Jesus is telling us the Holy Spirit is going to do for us. The Holy Spirit is going to remind our hearts that God is closer than he appears. The Holy Spirit reminds us that we haven't been abandoned. God is not far away, but he dwells with us and he is in us. And so this morning, if you are feeling like an orphan, if you are doubting that God is with you, I just want to encourage you to pray and to ask the Holy Spirit, to plead with the Holy Spirit that he would enable you to know and to experience his presence with you that you would know without a doubt that he is with you and that he would deepen your faith so that you can trust this word, trust this promise, even when those feelings aren't there. That is what the Holy Spirit can do for us. So we've seen that the Holy Spirit helps us by giving us power to obey. The Holy Spirit helps us by being present to comfort our hearts. And lastly, we see that the Spirit helps us by giving us peace to sustain. Read with me verse 27. Jesus says to his disciples, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. 
in, these, in this verse here, Jesus is promising his disciples that through the Spirit, he is going to give them peace. And this is not just any peace, but that this is his peace. Did you notice that there in verse 27? He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. This peace here that Jesus gives, he's wanting to, to distinguish it from the peace that the world offers us. You see, the world, you see, for the world, peace usually is kind of a negative thing. Peace is looked at as, as the absence of conflict. There is world peace when there are no wars. Peace is always the absence of something. But here, God is promising his peace that is active, his peace that does something in our hearts. You see, the peace that Jesus is offering it has nothing to do with whatever is or isn't going on with our circumstances. This peace that Jesus is promising that we are going to experience, it isn't this peace that comes from having nothing bad happen in your life. I mean, as Jesus is speaking these words to his disciples, he knows that their lives, the rest of their days, are going to be filled with trouble. In John 15 and John 16, he's going to tell them that the world is going to hate you. <laughs> you are going to be persecuted. You are going to suffer for my sake. When Jesus promises his disciples peace here, he's not promising them this feel-good promise that nothing bad is ever going to happen, but he is promising them that in the midst of the difficulties, in the midst of the challenges and the struggles and the, suffers and the suffering that they will experience in life, that they can have this supernatural experience of peace that comes from the Holy Spirit. They can have this subjective experiential peace that comes from knowing that Jesus is with them through his Spirit. And this peace comes from knowing that he is with them and knowing that he is with them. They can just have this settled conviction that everything is going to be okay. You see, Jesus never promises to keep bad things from happening to us or to those that we love. That is something Jesus doesn't promise any of us. He doesn't promise that we're never going to walk through a dark night of the soul or that when bad things happen, they are immediately going to be made better. Jesus doesn't promise that. But what he does promise is what we see here in verse 27, is that when we do experience these hard things, when we do walk through these trials, he has promised to be with us. You see, this peace that he gives us is the Holy Spirit. And it's as we begin to understand this reality that God will be with us, that we can make sense of what Jesus says at the end of verse 27, where he says, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus can say this not because, again, not because they're not going to experience hard circumstances, but, be, but because in the midst of their circumstances, circumstances that would easily cause them to be fearful, circumstances that would easily lead them to be anxious, they can know that they have a helper, they have someone sitting right next to them to comfort them and to help them keep going. And that is true for each and every one of us this morning. 
The pastor Tony Evans tells a story that I think captures what Jesus is getting at here very well. Tony Evans tells the story of years ago when he and his wife went on a cruise to Alaska. And as, on, as they are on their way to Alaska, a terrible storm breaks out. He says that people are screaming and pianos were rolling. This was, this was not just a, a little, uh, little bit of turbulence on, the, on, the, plane, or on the, the boat there. This was a massive storm that was rocking the boat. And at one point, Tony's wife calls the bridge of the ship to relay an anxious and fearful message to the captain. And a few minutes later, an assistant sends a message from the captain. And here, what he says to, um, to Tony Evans's wife here, he says, ma'am, this ship was built with this storm in mind. We knew that there was going to be a day when we would face nature at its most vicious. So way back when we were putting this boat together, we contemplated this moment. And here his, his final words here. The captain of the ship says, the storm is bad, but the boat is better. This is what Jesus is telling us this morning. As we are going through the rocky seas of life, when the storms of life are causing us to be fearful, to be anxious, and to be afraid, the presence of the Holy Spirit reminds us that, yes, the storm is bad, but the boat is better. The Holy Spirit is better because we have God's presence with us through the Spirit. So this morning, I just want to ask, where are you in need of peace right now? What are the storms in life that are troubling you? What are the situations that are causing you to be anxious and afraid? As we live here in this fallen world, in this COVID pandemic, political just chaos, there are, are no lack of reasons for us to be anxious and afraid. What are they for you? Perhaps it's, it struggles with your health, with your finances, your relationships. Maybe it's challenges with your children or with your parents, whatever the specifics of your situation. This morning, Jesus is offering you the experiential, subjective peace that can sustain you as he reminds you that you are not alone. Again, this doesn't mean that nothing bad is ever going to happen. Suffering and death will ultimately come to each and every one of us. But it does mean that our experience of these situations can be fundamentally different as we have a settled conviction deep in our bones that ultimately everything is going to be okay because we have Jesus, because the Spirit is with us. So in the midst of your fears, pray. Pray, ask the Holy Spirit to give you this experience of peace. Ask him to give you the feeling of peace that enables you to sing as we are going to in just a few minutes, that whatever comes, it is well with our souls because Jesus is with us. Whatever our lot, we can say, it is well with our souls because Jesus, through his spirit, is with us. Because the storm is bad, but the boat is better.
Ultimately, Jesus knows that this experience of peace that the Spirit gives to us is really dependent upon and it flows from the objective peace that we have with God because of his death on the cross. This is important for us to understand. As we are walking through the hard things in life, as we are experiencing difficulties in life, our subjective experience, our feelings of peace always flow from and they are dependent upon the objective, absolute peace that we have with God because in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, he has justified us and brought us to peace with God. Jesus alludes to this starting in verse 30 where he says, he tells his disciples, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. You see, Jesus knows in just a matter of hours, he is going to be betrayed. He is going to be beaten and ultimately crucified on a wooden cross. This is all in his mind as he is speaking these words of peace to his disciples. Because he knows that the ultimate peace that they need is peace that he is going to accomplish for them through his life, death, and resurrection on the cross. As he says here, he says that the ruler of this world is coming. This is referring to Satan here. He says that the ruler of this world is coming. He is going to have Jesus put to death. But Jesus is saying here that he has no claim on him because what we know is that Jesus goes to the cross freely of his own accord out of obedience to his Father so that all of us who trust in him can be at peace with God. And this is, this is the gospel right here. And just like there, for there to be good news, there needs to first be bad news. And the bad news of the gospel is that for each and every one of us, because of our sin and rebellion against God, we are, we are not at peace with him. We are, are enemies of God and left to ourselves. We cannot experience peace with him. But the story doesn't end there, because Je- but because of Jesus' death and resurrection, through faith, we can be at peace with God. We can experience peace with him. So if you're here this morning and you are trusting in Jesus, I just want to encourage you to let this truth fortify your faith, especially in those moments where you're not necessarily feeling God's peace as you experience the storms of life. Because as we see here in Jesus, you are already at peace with God. And that is the ultimate peace that we need. And for those of you who are here who aren't Christians, I just want to call you. I want to, to beg with you, to plead with you, to turn to Jesus and to trust him now. Like the rest of us, you are here as someone in need of help. And as we've just seen, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus has provided all of the help that you need to be right with him. 
to be reunited to, and to be restored to your relationship with him. And through the spirit, he gives you all of the help that you need to live life every day after that. So this morning, turn to Jesus, trust in him, experience and receive the peace that he is offering to you through his Holy Spirit. This is, this is the right here, right now help that the Holy Spirit provides to each and every one of us. He gives us the power we need to obey. He gives us his presence to comfort. And as we've just seen, he gives us his peace to sustain us through the storms of life. I want to invite the ushers to prepare to serve the Lord's Supper. I just want to invite Philip to come back down. And why, and why they are doing that, I just want to invite all of us to take a few moments to honestly reflect on our lives right now, to, to, to take a step back and to honestly look at the circumstances of our lives right now. And I just want to encourage you to think of one way to find one way where you are aware of your need for the help of the Holy Spirit right now and ask him, ask him to help you. Because as we've seen here, he wants to help you. He is in you and he is with you to help you. Perhaps it is help, perhaps you need power to fight with sin or as you face temptation. Maybe it's the Spirit's comforting presence to help you in a season of grief and sorrow, or maybe it's his peace when you are fearful and anxiety and anxious. Whatever it is, know that Jesus wants to help you through his spirit. So let us all take a moment right now to reflect on how the spirit desires to help us right now.